Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann's in New Jersey. John Harps is behind the glass. The final weekend of the NBA regular season is in our rear view shoe. Playoffs are up next. Game ones start Saturday. But we have a little bit of business to handle before then. Little little soul clap for the Orlando Magic and Brooklyn Nets. Punching their tickets to the postseason. The Magic for the first time since Dwight Howard wore a Magic uniform, which is staggering. The Nets, after a wild and crazy regular season that's not quite done yet, but certainly has had some interesting and uh, riveting moments. Still three teams fighting it out at the bottom of the East standings. Uh, The Western Conference crew is set. It's just a matter of jockeying for position. I I know you are... A keen watcher of all things, Shu, but certainly the Nets, your former home state team. What does it mean for them to, to knock this thing out and get in? And and also, what do you make of the magic kind of coming out of nowhere off the mat, really, and, and getting into the postseason? Well, I mean, I think for Brooklyn, it's a huge step. You know, whether they made it or not, it was still a big – they still took a big step forward. Um, this season, but to have that sort of designation of being a playoff team, I think helps them. It gives a bunch of guys on that team playoff experience. I mean, there's hardly anybody with playoff experience in their rotation. There's Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, Ed Davis, but that's about it. You know, it'll be the first playoffs for uh, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. I think maybe Spencer Dinwiddie may have played a handful of minutes in a play a postseason before, mm-hmm. but for Russell, for Lavert. Uh, for Jared Allen, for Kurutz, you know, all these guys. Joe Harris played a handful of minutes with the Cavs in the postseason before, mm. um, but really hasn't played rotation minutes in the postseason. I mean, it's huge for that team. What, is, what does it mean for, more for the team, Shoe? What does it mean for the organization? For both the Nets and the Clippers, you know, teams that necessarily weren't necessarily uh, picked to make the playoffs and sort of had their eye on this summer. I think it's it part it's part of their package that they they're trying to sell free agents this summer. You know, the Nets can say, "Hey, you know, we're a playoff team while the Knicks were the worst team in the league." The Clippers can say, "Hey, we're a playoff team and the Lakers weren't even though they had LeBron James." And I think that means a lot. I think, you know, people respect winning more than anything. You know, we'll see how much it, it plays a part, but it certainly helps. So you think the free agent pitch in both places is um, you can come to this area and play for a winner or you can play for a loser then? It's going to be like a come play with us or go hang with the losers. Yeah, I think so. And and, and it's also about, you know, just establishing 
culture and habits and uh you know like uh, a a winning atmosphere um whereas if you go to new york um you're obviously starting from scratch they have basically you know developed they haven't really established anything uh in david fisdale's first year there you know they have a bunch of uh, a bunch of rookies that showed some flash of promise but nothing substantial and obviously they had the worst record in the league and then clippers versus lakers yeah i think you know i think there's a better culture in the in clippers land right now than there is with the lakers you know lakers were sort of a a mess culture wise this this year and obviously lebron james has appeal but if you're talking about the whole package i like the team that that made the postseason and has some young players and and a lot of really good role players in place. I think it's I, th- I think culturally is the thing that strikes me. I remember going to Orlando and covering playoff games when Dwight was there, and the Magic had a following. Like they had people in Central Florida, whether it was just because of Dwight or whatever, but it was an event. It was it was a big deal to show up to their arena to watch that team as kind of the showcase team in in central florida there's not another professional sports entity that can make as big a footprint as the magic can in the orlando area and when they are out of the mix for as long as they've been it's easy to forget how robust a following they had as as recently as as what six years ago them getting back in with steve clifford guiding them to me is huge for the magic brand in central florida as much in their home market as it is anywhere because it reestablishes them as a viable playoff team in the East for potentially as long as they want to compete at that level because of the wide open nature of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it's amazing. Like the magic is, is, is pretty amazing when you consider where they were at the end of January. So on, Janu- on the morning of January 31st, they were 20 and 31. That was a week before the trade deadline. And they were in 11th place in the East behind Washington, you know, behind Charlotte, Miami. The day of the deadline they were still five games in the loss column behind the eighth place heat at the time. And at that point you thought, you know, it's an opportunity for them to sell off Vucevic and or Terrence Ross, you know, with those guys both on expiring contracts and seeing maybe if they can get some more assets. And obviously they held on to both of them. The only player they really traded was Jonathan Simmons, who was frankly horrible for them this year. And they thought they could make the playoffs and heck they were right. You know, they have since that January 31st, they have the East's second best record, 21 and 9, and the league's best defense since that January 31st mark. I call that the Steve Clifford effect. Yeah. I he's mean, done this before. I mean, he's. Yeah, they rank as the third best, most improved team uh, overall as far as point differential per 100 possessions from last season. It's not quite the improvement that Clifford's Bobcats made in his first season in Charlotte, but it's it's significant. And one thing, one thing sneaky about the Magic is they are. Eight and six, including four and four on the road against the top four teams in the East. They have, they're not one of these teams that just sort of beat up on the teams below them in the play, in the standings. They have some good wins over these, over these top four teams in the East. And obviously they'll be playing one of them come Saturday or Sunday. So they might be like the one little bit of a threat in that five to, in the five to eight range uh, in the Eastern Conference. You mentioned the top four in the issue. We got a chance to see a powerhouse matchup after our last show. Last Thursday on TNT, Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks 
went head up with the Sixers and Joel Embiid. And it was big-time matchup, big-time showcase game for both those teams, both those stars, both those guys who are involved in the MVP race. Giannis took control late. The Bucks won 128-122. And I thought Giannis, with his 45 points, 13 rebounds, 66, and he had one just ridiculous block on Embiid late to kind of thwart a layup. I thought it was a statement game. And and it turned into a statement performance for Giannis. I don't know that he needed it to lock up the MVP because I don't know if he, I don't know if that's the case. We'll see what the, what the voting does. I've I've noticed that guys are pretty split. The people who are voting that I've talked to in terms of who they're going to vote for between Giannis and James Harden. But for you, did that game, that performance by Giannis, did it do anything in regards to his MVP candidacy for you? Probably maybe gave me a half of a degree more certainty of, of who I'm selecting, but not really. Mm. Maybe it affected my defensive player of the year vote because he and Embiid also are two of the sort of four candidates. And we discussed this last week for my defensive player of the year ballot. Mm. Um, He didn't just have that one block on Embiid. He had four blocks on Embiid (laughs) that night. Um, And, and that's, I mean, you know, the, the bucks are the number one defensive team in the league. That's where they've improved more from last season I said it you know he could be on three ballots for me MVP defensive player of the year most improved Mm -hmm. and and like for the Sixers you know uh Jimmy Butler didn't play that night um in each of the last five games they've missed Butler and or Embiid and so they still stuck on 10 games for the number of games that have that their starting lineup has played together right um and I don't know what's the plan for uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. They play at Miami on Tuesday. They play Chicago on Wednesday. Obviously, the Sixers are in as the, and locked in to the three seed. They don't. They still don't know if they're playing. I think they they their only options are Brooklyn or Orlando as a possible opponent. But they're fascinating. They're just fascinating to me because those that starting lineup has played only 10 games together because they have depth issues because they've gone all in on this, on this team when they were, I I keep saying this, but they were 25 and 25 just 14 months ago um, and tied for eighth place in the East. And, you know, because of the still the fit issues with Simmons and Embiid, they they are the most like, uh, I mean, I'm glad I'll be covering them from probably from start to finish in the postseason because they are the most fascinating team uh, to me over the next uh, could be two weeks, could be four weeks, could be two months. Who knows? I can't wait to see what happens with this team just because of the way they've come together and uh, sort of the personalities involved, the players involved. Um, it should be fun to watch. Is there is there a matchup for them that – that excites you more than others outside of Boston now? Like, I, I know they've developed a a rivalry with Boston, but I would kind of like to see them in the Bucks. I like that Embiid and Giannis are willing to go at each other the way they do. Um, well, I mean, they're going to play – they're going to face Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. Assuming both Philadelphia and Toronto advance, it'll be right. – It'll be Raptors Sixers um, in the second round with Toronto having home court, mm-hmm. and that's great matchup too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that one either. Like, I, there's nothing, um, you know, Embiid versus Gasol, uh, you know, uh, Simmons versus Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler and Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, Butler and Kawhi uh, matching up. No, yeah, Siakam, I mean, yeah, yeah, Siakam in there. Throw, you know, it's it should be. Um, 
that would be an awesome like i i really cannot wait um for the eastern conference semifinals and though boston is a little bit banged up you know suffered a couple of injuries on on sunday i feel pretty safe in picking them over indiana just because indiana has continued to sort of struggle against good teams yeah. um without victor oladipo you know they hung on to that three seed for a while mostly because they were um, taking care of business against bad teams and once their uh, schedule got tough they really started to fade a bit and so and you know obviously the Celtics beat them twice in the last couple of weeks so I obviously um, you know I like that matchup for Boston and I feel pretty confident in seeing thinking that we're going to get Bucks, Celtics Raptors Sixers and who knows what happens after that yeah your week 25 power rankings are out on NBA.com, Shoe. How many weeks do you do every season? Are these, is this the final this one? So you got one more? This is it? No, this is it. Week, this, this is it. This is, this is, is it. Week 26 then. Okay. Week 26. Um, yeah. Top five teams on the week 26 power rankings. I'm going to, I'm going to say this out loud and I'm going to ask you a question at the end and you, and I don't want you to give me your shoe bot answer. I want you to give me your gut. <laughs> don't give me the, the analytics answer. Give me the gut answer. Yep. Warriors, Bucks, Rockets, Raptors, and Nuggets are the top five teams in your Week 26 power rankings. Is that the same order in terms of which you think these teams have an opportunity to win a championship? One, Warriors, yes. Two, Bucks, yes. Uh, Rockets versus Raptors. I mean, I guess it's about their path, really. You know, the Rockets mm-hmm. would, would have to run into the Warriors. The Raptors maybe have a better chance of getting to the finals than the Rockets do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I mean, who knows? Like at that point, you know, it's. I mean, do you think the Nuggets are the have the have our, uh, the team that could be fifth if we had a championship power rank? Like, who could win a title? Would you put the Nuggets fifth on your list? Uh, no, I guess that's a good question. Maybe the Sixers or mm-hmm. the Celtics would be in there, just because both of those teams have a have a high ceiling. We right. haven't necessarily seen them hit that ceiling yet. Right. Um, and they're both coming out of the East where, like I said, once we get to the, the top four teams, I think it's wide open. And, right. and yeah, I, I know it's different. I wouldn't be surprised with any of those four teams getting to the finals. Yeah, I know it's different. I'm not, I'm not contesting your top five. I was just curious if that lined up at all. You know, your, the top five teams in your final power rankings, if they would be considered the top your top five teams in terms of trying to win a title. Cause I don't know that one has to match up with the other, like you said, because of, you know, if you're in the East and it's wide open and if you're in the West and you got the, the Warriors first and foremost, and then maybe the Rockets in your way, I have a hard time seeing what other Western conference, like who else in the West could you envision winning at all? I, Beyond you know, the Warriors and Rockets. Yeah. I mean, the Nuggets had, we hadn't seen them in the playoffs, let alone, yeah. Winning multiple best of seven series. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Blazers are hurt. Yeah. The Jazz just maybe not consistent enough. Yeah, yeah. Not, not good enough offensively. The Clippers, no. The Spurs, no. Um, yeah, I mean, that's. Whereas in the East, four of them, I could yeah. see anybody from the Bucks to the Celtics. Yeah. All four of them. Yeah. It's, I mean, the Celtics, we know they can put together a run, and, and if they have one impo- opponent in front of them, you know, for seven games, you know, I like them in that situation better than maybe uh, regular season games or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a series of ra- regular season games against other uh, random opponents. And it, it's good that 
Gordon Hayward is starting to find himself. He's cooking, yeah. Right now. He had a great game against Indiana, another solid game uh on Sunday against Orlando. Um and that's that's great. You know, we gotta see what the deal is with Marcus Smart's injury, Jason Tatum's injury. Both of them couldn't finish that game in Orlando or against Orlando on Sunday. So maybe they're going into the postseason again shorthanded, but I don't think either of those two injuries are, are too serious. Brad Stevens cultivating his role off the bench. That may be the most crucial thing they've done when they look back at it, wherever their playoff fortunes take them, that they might look back and say, wow, if, if we hadn't figured out that role for Gordon Hayward, maybe we don't get to the conference finals or maybe we don't get, you know, wherever we end up. Um, in the West, the Rockets are half game behind Denver for, the, for second place. How much does the Rockets potentially moving into two change the complexion of the Western Conference playoffs for you? Uh, I would say not much. Um, but I still think what the Nuggets did on Sunday was weird. They were playing Portland for the second time in a few days. And I guess the idea was that if Portland won, Portland could possibly move up into third and push the Rockets into fourth where the Nuggets wouldn't have to face the Rockets in the second round. Mm. Cause the Rockets have not, or the, yeah, the Nuggets have not been good against the Rockets this year. And so Denver didn't play uh, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic. And then... What were they doing? I mean, what are you doing, by the way, if you're Denver? It's one thing to rest, guys. But then come the fourth yeah. quarter, it was a close game. And the other two, their other two starters, the two starters that played, uh, Gary Harris and Will Barton, did not play at all in the fourth quarter. Monty Morris, you know, their next best guard, did not play in the fourth quarter. The Nuggets had a seven-point lead earlier midway through the fourth and lost it was really weird um because number one their own loss now pushes them closer to the rockets and gives the rockets a chance to pass the nuggets for second and then therefore they may have just given up home court advantage in the second round and two i just i don't get why this team given its playoff inexperiences is trying yeah, to like, clear its path for the second round, like just worry about like getting in, getting, getting in, in and, whatever, and, yeah. and beating whoever's in front of you. I mean, the yeah. Rockets, the, the, the Nuggets have, I think only three of their nine rotation guys have playoff experience, Millsap, Plumley, and Barton. The Nuggets have won two playoff series in the past, in the last 25 years. <laughs> I'll say that again. The Nuggets have won two playoff series in the last 25 years. Good. Are you serious? Yeah. And so, like, why are they I, – I just – I don't – I didn't get that at all. Like, I really – Those were the same season, weren't they? Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. 2009, yeah. correct? Right? Yeah, yeah, year they, yeah. yeah they went – played the uh, Lakers in the uh, – oh, wow. <laughs> just in 20 – I mean, I mean, obviously, like, this team has nothing to do with the, the, the right, right, Nuggets right. of 20 years ago. I just didn't ago. realize but, it. But like it's just a weird like I I it's playing with fire one yeah. and it's messing with the basketball gods or whatever if you want to believe in that kind of stuff it just mm -hmm. it was just a little funky I didn't like it at all um, and so we'll see what happens from here and where they land and who's their first round opponent but I think people get way too caught up in like 
who you're trying to match. Like, get in the playoffs. Any of these teams in the West has the ability to win at least a round. Yeah. And so, and so any team that the Nuggets play in the first round is no easy out. And I will say this, also a little stat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a upset in the first round, meaning a team without home court advantage has won a series in the first round in each of the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. So in each of the last 12 years, there's been at least one Somebody's getting at least one team with home court advantage that loses a first round series. And okay. there's been, and in those 23, in those 12 years, there's been 23 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 have been four or five series, but nine have been, you know, uh, three, six or two, seven or one, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody, you know, history tells us that somebody's going to get upset yeah. in this first round. And so, you know, we'll see. And I think, you know, I think the East, it would be really tough to believe that the East, barring an injury somewhere, that there's an upset in the East. So we'll see. Um, I'll tell you what I don't expect to see an upset. And that's if they get in at all. Excuse me, get in at all. And that's the Detroit Pistons. (laughs) Bottom has fallen out. Four straight losses, shoe. They can still fall out of the playoffs. Grizzlies Tuesday, Knicks on Wednesday. How How brutal is it if they fall all the way out? Uh, it's like they looking. They were as as recently as a week ago. They were looking strong to be the sixth seed, just because of the schedule that Brooklyn had. You know, Orlando's sort of flakiness and and their own schedule. You know, but they've lost four straight. Uh, Blake Griffin has been banged up. He came back. He scored forty five points in Oklahoma City, but their defense wasn't good enough. And then he looked hobbled on Sunday against Charlotte. Um, if they won that. You know, they're in now because they lost to Charlotte in particular, the Pistons need to win both of their games or win one and have Charlotte lose one of their two. So basically with four games left that the Pistons have to play and the Hornets have to play, the Pistons need two of those four results to go their way, either right. wins or, or Charlotte losses. And so they, they can still take care of business. They control their own destiny, but they put themselves in a precarious position um, with their best player walking around, you know, yeah. and a knee that might not be sound. So, yeah, it's wild. I, I, you know, I, you know, as, as much as I want to fast forward to the Eastern conference semifinals, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see, um, you know, and, and that Charlotte win kept Dwayne Wade and the heat alive, even though those guys have uh, Ugh, lost screw. a few games in a row too. That's the other one. Friday night we were, on NBA TV, Karan Butler and I were talking about D Wade and just the fact that, man, you wanted to see him go out. You know, you want to see him go out in a playoff series. I don't want his last hurrah to have been the, this, this end stretch of the regular season where some of his teammates, by the way, I didn't want to call out names. Karan didn't care. He called out names. We're making plays that were less than inspiring with games on the line. Deion Waiters had a couple of plays, you, a, a bad three. Uh, a half-hearted closeout on on a contest, you know, to contest a three. It was just like, you know, Karam was like, man, he's like, you know, when Dwayne and Dwayne Wade makes a great play Friday night, steal and lay up late to keep them in again in the game. He was like, you can't have guys making lackadaisical plays like that when D Wade's out there fighting for his playoff life, you know, and his last season in the league. And you know, Karam was like, I would have went in the locker room and said something. He's like, I'd have had to. I'd have gone in the locker room and screamed on somebody, you know. Well, Wade missed, missed the potential uh, 
game winner in Minnesota on Friday. You were, yes. I mean, that was the game you, you were watching. Yes. Uh, and then the, the sort of uh, execution down the stretch in Toronto on Sunday. Exactly. Was Had another snap. Um, I'm going to give you a, a fun uh, number. Last year, the, the Heat were number one in clutch three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. This year, the Heat are number 30 in clutch three-point percentage. I'm going to give you some numbers of – the Who's taking players, those threes? Players who have attempted at more than six clutch three pointers. You've been hanging out with Paul Pierce. All right, Goran Dragic one for nine. Mm-hmm. Justice Winslow one for twelve. He's a clutch three pointer. So three pointers with the score within five in the last five minutes of the or fourth of the fourth or OT. Mm-hmm. So Dragic one for nine. Winslow one for twelve. Dion Waiters one for eighteen. <sighs> Josh Richardson eight for twenty two. The only decent one. Right. And Dwayne Wade, five for 26, which is 19%. Right. Um, and one of those five is the crazy one he hit, he hit against the Warriors. The Warriors yeah. Um, so they have just been awful shooting from Rough. from three. Waiters, like I said, is one for 18 from three on, on clutch shot, uh, clutch threes, two for 24 overall on clutch shots. So one for six inside the arc. That's two for 24 is just... Brutal. Amazingly brutal. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, and I, like I said, I hate that Wade will potentially finish his career watching the playoffs. Like there was an opportunity for Miami, not that they were going to scare anybody in the, in the postseason, but at least to see him on that stage one more time would have been nice. Um, and it would have been, it would have been fun. I guess it's still possible that their season will be on the line Wednesday in Brooklyn. Potentially. Yeah. But it would have been fun if it was, if that was a two way tie for eighth place going into that game for something like that, you right. know? Right. Um, and so, you know, we'll see um, the heat basically need um, everything to go their way going forward. Uh, they need Detroit to lose twice. And I think they need Charlotte to lose one of two. Right. Um, and then they need to win both of their games. They have a back to back Tuesday, Wednesday. So, they basically need five of those six games to go their way in order for them to, to do it. So it does not look uh, good. You know, obviously That's too much wishing and hoping they, they lost four in a row um, and their offense has just been struggling really. Losing um, Richardson the way they did too. Yeah. was brutal, you know, just hurt them because like you said, he, not only is he one of the, the rare guys who's good at, in the clutch when they need him, but he's also just kind of was their bellwether this year to me. Um, with Dragic out, Wade off the bench, he was the guy who kind of set the tone for him all the time. So yeah, they had found like uh, there was a point after the All Star break where they found a sort of starting lineup that worked. Whiteside went to the bench after uh, coming right. back from injury, but it was so fragile. And then like you lose an important cog like Richardson or something like that, and then you know all that sort of all that that rotation that was finally working just sort of falls apart. At the wrong time, obviously. Well, no games on the schedule on Monday night with the NCAA tournament title game. The wrong school from Virginia for your liking, of course, is playing. Every time I do a double take, like there, it, it says Virginia and it says Texas Tech. So I see the Virginia and I see the Tech part. And I do a double take every time I see the, the matchup. I'm like, wait, wait. Oh, no, never mind. Um, but, you know, we're moving on. Yeah, it's time. To, I mean, what are you going to do? I don't have a rooting interest at all. So I'll watch just purely as a basketball fan and spectator without any heartstrings attached. As weird it is as it is to root for Virginia for me, I am rooting for Virginia because 
I didn't fill out a pool, but my wife filled out a pool for her <laughs> office and I told her to pick Virginia. I said, you know, mm-hmm. I went with the strategy, you know, go chalk early on and then pick a different winner than everybody else. Everybody else would pick Duke. So I said, pick Virginia. And if she wins, I think she gets like a day off, like a free, <laughs> like a, you know, a, an extra day off or something like that. So nice. I will be a, a hokey rooting for the who's on uh, Monday night. Should be interesting. Um, be sure to read the full NBA.com power rankings at NBA.com slash power rankings. John Schumann's final assessment for the regular season. Week 26 power rankings are up and live. Check it out. Schumann will be back on Thursday with a uh, special first round preview edition of the show. A chance to scan these first round series once they become final Wednesday night. I'm assuming it'll be when we get everything locked up. And like we mentioned in the West, we know the eight teams. We don't know the order. In the East, there's still some jockeying going on in terms of who's getting in. Should be interesting last couple of days of this NBA regular season. Make sure you tune in and watch the games Wednesday night. Three hours of live crunch time on NBA TV. I will do my best to uh, be perky and, and fired up alongside Isaiah Thomas and Jerry Greenberg. Be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. And don't forget to leave a review. We're going to be rocking throughout the playoffs and the offseason, so we're going nowhere. Make sure you remember that. And we'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.